Hello everybody and welcome back to Bond by Numbers. Thank you very much for joining us here today as we take you through our first of three dedicated episodes to the world of tabletop gaming. Each of us, myself Scott and my two co-hosts Josh and Jeff across the pond in Canada, are bringing to this three-part series our own creative ideas for board games using the Bond world as, uh, as inspiration. So if you like your board games, if you like your dice rolling, if you like your chance, your luck, your strategy, and of course, your Bond, you're in a good place. We think you're going to enjoy this little three-part What If series. So thanks for coming on board with us. And as always, I'm joined here by <laughs> my board. brothers and Bond That's across up. the pond, <laughs> <laughs> Josh and Jeff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, it's going to be a fun episode. This what if um, kind of three-parter. Well, we didn't actually envision it as a three-parter originally, but this board game idea has definitely been with us for a while, even back season two, maybe even season yeah. one. I can't remember. We were talking about doing something like this with one of our what ifs, an opportunity for us to kind of channel our own love for, for tabletop gaming and bring our bond love into it as well and just have a bit of creativity, a bit of fun and uh, some laughs with uh, with you along the way so thanks for joining us and uh yeah if you don't like gaming by the way um get out then you too bad get out now (laughs) get out now (laughs) because uh this episode's all about gaming Uh, it's all about our ideas and it's going to be my game today gents uh you you've elected to start with me and I'm, i'm quite happy for that to be the case and then our subsequent episodes in the series in this little what if mini series uh will be dedicated to you but the uh, most but, probable what yeah. if miniseries that I think we've had. Yes, I think you're. I think you're quite right. Yeah, uh, uh, this yeah. is. Yeah, we're not going to build Bond homes the way we we said it on the show. <laughs> no, we're not going to have We're not going to have Bond film festivals mm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with yeah, three of the Bonds uh, or two of the Bonds deceased, and yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think, guys, it's been a little while since our recording um, of our past episode, and I remember, Jeff, you mentioning something I'd like to start with here today, if it's okay with you. Yeah. Y- you oh, were talking, yeah. singing the praises of um, of the show Slow Horses starring Gary Oldman, yeah, was, and uh, oh my wife and I just recently decided with our um, hour and a half together each day that what we might do is do one of these Apple TV trial subscriptions and we Ted did. Lasso we did yeah. Yeah. well not Ted Lasso <laughs> but uh, I started with a Magic Johnson documentary to be honest but anyway moving oh, okay. past that when I discovered that um, Slow Horses was on it I said to Sarah Je- this is, a, this is a, the thing that Jeff's been oh, on yeah. about shall we just watch the first episode and uh, she's like, yeah, all right. And we watched the first episode. And I have to admit, Sarah was more interested in it than I was. I was okay. kind of like, yeah, okay, it's a bit oh, of a slow uh, burn. I'm not really sure I like this young guy, Cartwright. Don't know if I like his character. <laughs> the second episode took off, and I had played basketball myself that day. I was really tired. And there's a lot of work going on in our house right now. And so I was lugging, you know, moving tables and taking apart stuff. And I was tiling the kitchen and all sorts of stuff. So I was getting tired and... And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not really into this. And so when we went back the next night, because Sarah was insistent, now let's just watch one more episode before we call it quits. We went back and played a bit of the second episode again. I got back what I missed. And now we're looking like season four last, episode four last night. It it absolutely glued me together. And yeah, I'm I'm all in it now. I'm all in for Slow Horses. Gary Oldman 
in that series oh, is awesome. Great. Oh, Gary Oldman's always awesome. awesome. Yeah. But you know, but it's funny. Honestly, like, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say one of the no, things no. I don't know if you guys do appreciate as much about the show, but I certainly do from you know living over here is how a lot of shows use London, but they don't use London. Use this London. is a show which with its darkness and, and so much of it takes place at night, obviously, but this is London. This is very, very uh, authentic London. I feel like it's filming London very well. It's using the city and its grime, as well as its kind of, you know, posh angles and stuff. It's using the city really well, and we're getting we're getting a, a, a good feel for London. And I'm sure, you know, listeners can think of other shows that do the same thing. But for, for myself, doesn't watch a lot of media anymore, you know, the, at this stage in my life at least. I'm not watching lots and lots of things. This is one of the better presentations of the city I have seen. And I don't mean that in like, oh, the people. Not are, EastEnders? You know, great. It just feels real. Like there's that there's that verisimilitude to it to me that, that cool. kind of captures it as a visitor to the city. Like you get in a feel for, for the for the locations. Anyway. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. That's it's kind cool. of like, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like a, how like the wire shows Baltimore, not like the downtown, like commercial city or something mm. like that, but it shows like the dirt, the rusty docks. It shows like the, the West end, uh, the slum and poverty there and, and, and stuff like that. Like it's showing like the uglier side of, of a, of a megalopolis. That's kind of what you guys are getting at. It's showing the gritty, almost labyrinthine, you know alleyways and and, st- and, st- and stuff like that. Yeah, the, I mean the the first season it's 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 really good. And what I like about the show is that it, to me, I, I mean, again, I'm not I'm not I'm not an operative. I never have been. I always wanted to be, but I it it it's a nice slow burn of a show. And again, it it might not it might not be everyone's uh, you know cup of tea, but I like it because it does seem like it's kind of almost mundane. Uh, relegated uh, operatives, but it still work, and it, it's just it's a it's a really it's a really good show to just see how how things happen. And and mm-hmm. for someone and 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 I'm 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 happy that you brought up on on uh, how you're seeing and how they're using London because obviously I've never been to London. And that's one place I really want to go because I I mean as much as I was appreciating seeing London like that in dark and, and, and not sort of just the usual tourist traps that they for, for B-roll and cut shots and all that kind of uh-huh. stuff. Um, so I appreciate you saying that that's really cool. Uh, but I liked it on, on, on other way and, you know, a lot of multifaceted aspects of it as well. Like obviously the, 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 the characters and the acting and Gary Oldman is fantastic, mm-hmm. but you know, so that's, that's nice that you were, uh, that you're, you're mentioning that aspect of London and how it's used. And that's, that's really cool. So I, uh, and, and I gotta, I'm I've gotta you admit, like you sold me. I do, li- I, do. Sure. I do like it. Yeah, but it's it's funny because I got tricked. I think because I don't consume as much media as as I used to. Um, when I watch a show, I, I got to be pretty invested now to see it through, yeah, or it fair. takes a long time. And that's that's just where we are right now. But... You got one hour a night, right? To watch yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so you want to and... choose something that you like, exactly, you know, exactly. Throw it away. And yeah, when yeah, I saw sure. Gary Oldman in, in episode one, <sighs> I love Gary Oldman, but I'm <sighs> watching him and I'm thinking, like, I can't hell? watch. I cannot watch <laughs> eight episodes yeah. or six episodes yeah. of this guy, like six hours of this character. <laughs> But of course, but I got tricked. I got tricked because, mm. uh, oh without boy. saying too much, this isn't a spoiler because lots of shows, you know, succeed in doing this. I'm sure, mm. but he isn't all that character, 
And you start to see that kind of crust come off him a little bit when he goes head to head with some of these other MI5 figures. And you realize that you realize that, you know, his heart is like the Grinch, right? It's crusted over, but he's, he's got a heart in there and, and it's good. It's good, man. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for introducing that to me. Oh yeah, no problem. I'm glad because I, I, when I, we were talking, you know, when we, we do our little like, uh, you know, check-ins before we actually start the recording, we just kind of say, hey, what's going on? You guys watching something cool or, yeah. you know, something that's kind of Bond-related, Bond, you know. And this uh, is Bond-related. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but this this is good oh, for right. Bond fans would like this, I think. I think they would. It's not MI6, there, there, it's MI5, but it, it's still good. Right. And there's actually a pretty awesome Bond reference in season two that I'm okay. not going to say, but right. uh, I was like, wow, that was like, okay cool um anyways and i was like oh that was a good one mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you know as you'll see yeah. but it's good. okay i'll so, see it i'll see it <laughs> is it a bond reference that like most people would get or, no or, like that's what i mean it's like yeah. yeah like he named cool. he name drops someone just like and i'm like explaining like a situation i'm like wow no that's a that's a that's a deep cut, you know, and I was like, "That's Very a good," cool. and, and, but and it made sense. Like it wasn't just like he's just dropping it to drop names. Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, makes sense too." I was like, yeah. "Oh, it's, that's good." It's a well written like, show. What? She looked at me like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "Nothing's mm-hmm. wrong." That was awesome. She's like, "I don't know what that means." I'm like, "I know, <laughs> but it's yeah. cool." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you guys definitely have me sold on it. I'll definitely check it out. It's, oh, you'd like it? Yeah. Season two yeah. is excellent too. Just gotta say, okay, like, cool. keep keep on keep on watching. It's it's really good. Really yeah, cool, once cool. I finish the shirt, once I finish the uh, Grenada Sherlock Holmes, I'll uh, probably check it out. <laughs> I, I man, I, I gotta say, I love Gary Oldman in this character. He's yeah. such a Gary gross, is grimy awesome. old 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 spy. Like yeah. you know, just like yeah, anyway, eh, yeah. he's good. Yeah. yeah, we've probably gone Everyone. on a little bit too long about uh, about slow <laughs> horses, everybody. So thank you for indulging <laughs> us with that lengthy introduction yeah. <laughs> on it. But uh, it's worth checking out if you haven't yeah. already seen it. Yeah, sure. I'm slow. I'm slow to the party. Thank you though. <laughs> well, you just created a board game, so that's understandable. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you guys have got a lot of uh, snow and ice over there this time of year. I tell you, we what, do. You can have uh, some. One of the worst winters in Canada I've seen in a while. It's uh, uh, abroad. It's it's uh, it's challenging. <laughs> it's like trying mm-hmm. to tell me, like, mm-hmm. oh, you have a dog? Try walking it now. <laughs> that's what it does <laughs> every second day. It's like, hmm, am I going to die? Poor dog can't get out to the toilet. Oh, well, <laughs> we try. <laughs> well you can't but you have to try yeah. otherwise your house is yeah. uh, not your exactly. own exactly <laughs> or your small backyard gets filled up very quickly and not with it snow. does i i shovel the backyard quite often yeah yeah <laughs> poopsicles i remember calling them when i was yeah poopsicles yeah yeah, yeah. sure everybody yeah. calls them i call it ice fish indeed it's a great way to start our show it by is. the way this is yeah, great yeah, it's a very shitty it's a very <laughs> shitty way to start the show yeah <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that, I'm pretty excited for today's episode. Mm. Uh, We're getting into the James Bond board games. And I will say, Scott, while we call this a what-if feature, I would say of all the what-ifs that we have done so far on this series, this one is probably the most probable of coming true. Mm. Probably, yeah, because we could actually go away and and do this ourselves with uh, raw materials. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I would agree. Well, if we make the game, like if we don't advertise the games and we just make it in our own homes or something like that between 
we can't, you know, there's not much that they can do, you know what I mean? But uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we just can't exhibit it or all that sort of stuff. I think that's the rules of how it goes. But I would prefer to have licensing, you know, if that would, be, you know, just present your your idea to them. Like, I don't know what the whole criteria is for presenting a board game to like an IP saying like, I want to make a board game of your IP. And therefore, yeah. you know, how much do, do like, what do they benefit like f- from it? Because a lot of board games mm-hmm. that you see, especially like modern tabletop board games, you can get board games of the most obscure stuff. Like I was just looking online and like this animated, this uh, anime series that I watched recently, uh, Cowboy Bebop, there's actually a board game for that. Now it's Japan, it's Japanese. So obviously they have a big marketing behind everything. They have a market But at the same time, like, yeah, the the situation is, is that like any IP is, I think if you want to make a board game from, from an IP, I think it's some, as long as you present your ideas to, to someone, I might be sounding naive about this, but it's possible that you might get a, get get a go ahead but you also got to have the resources to to do it you know what i mean quite right yeah Um, i believe that's the most naive thing i've ever said but let's just go with that (laughs) do you think do you think guys maybe before we get too far ahead of ourselves Mm -hmm. we should explain to listeners uh what our motivation and rationale was for this because you know if we go back if we go back to season two of our show and here we are knocking on the end of season four but if we went back to our our second c series i should say series um, we were talking about doing this as a what if, you know, mm-hmm. there are some, mm-hmm. you know, we've dropped the seeds in the, of, of this before. I think that recently, most recently with the release of the Spectre board game, mm. we've all come to kind of think that now's a good time for us to sort of, uh, rekindle our love for tabletop board game creation. Right. And, uh, as, as children of the eighties, all three of us, I think some of the experiences we, we kind of share you know, these cultural experiences as Canadians talking about the weather, keeping us in and all the rest of it is <laughs> yeah. board, board games, games right? Big, it's board games. Board games mm. were a big thing. Like, I think that was the first phase of gaming for me when I was younger. Like I had Monopoly. I had, I had Sorry. Sorry. There was Trivial, there was yeah. trivial yeah. Pursuit as well. The, the yeah. old edition my parents had. Uh, Battleship. Guess Who? Clue. Guess Who? Yeah. Battleship. Guess who? That, that uh, yeah. Clue. And then what happened then, I guess, uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System came around and that sort of, I had a Nintendo, <laughs> but I, but, for four years. Yeah. No one saw him, but, but I still, <laughs> but I still play board games, like, more complex ones. And then there, then, then there was, you know, I got into like the role playing stuff. I started out with like this Marvel universe, Marvel superheroes one, and then went over to like, uh, Star Wars, uh, the West end game, Star Wars role playing game, which was the first edition of like mm-hmm. the Star Wars role playing universe, and then of course that got bought out like Dungeons and Dragons did by Wizards, Wizards of the Coast, of the- which owns every which, yeah. which, mm-hmm. which which owns everything now. And uh, mm-hmm. apparently, apparently, they're going to start charging you for doing like campaigns or something. I I actually oh, heard. you mean if like, you do they, the online stuff, like you have yeah, to buy, like, like they actually they might even actually start pre- stop publishing uh, the books, like the the oh. guides and stuff oh, wow. like that. Wow, that's, really? that's kind of oh, what, what, what what yeah, they don't basically. People are, they don't like the fact that people can just like get a, get the book, go home, make up their own campaign mm. and have an adventure. Damn they dude. don't like that. They don't like that because wow, they're, they're a greedy corporation. That's why. Well, guys, you know what? I know one thing that they don't own and it's bond by numbers dice. Fire, That's true. But they don't <laughs> own that. They sure they don't. They definitely don't. And you will never. S- yeah. This is and I think they will want to own it. <laughs> mm. We'll see. I don't know though. Oh, I'm gonna pitch it. I'm gonna pitch it to every every company, every company I can think of. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Well, t- talk about James Bond in terms of gaming. I mean, there wasn't really any board games when I was growing up with in in my no. formative years of Bond, but there was GoldenEye sixty four. 
Mm, sure mm-hmm. was. There was, and still yeah. is. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there were, before that, I think there was an Atari game or a yeah, Nintendo There was a Sega Genesis I, I game, right. and it was, um, it came out in 1992. Oh, I have right. it because I found yes, it, and I was like, yes. what the hell is this? And I Dalton's had on the Dalton's cover. on the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a size Life is the Kill? Yeah, but it wasn't called, it was, uh, and I have it, and now I can't remember. Property of a Lady. It was uh, supposed yeah, to be bro- a film. But it- uh, yeah. <laughs> But I have it, and because I was like, "What I what I remember when I found it, I was like, what is this?'" Uh, <laughs> let me see if I can find it. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. the duel. It's called the duel. The duel with um, uh, Timothy Dalton on the cover. Mm-hmm. Still hope at that time that he would re- he would come back to the role. Eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the marketing department was still pushing him as Bond. Because yeah. really, that must they, have been his last appearance as James Bond. I think so. I would well, think so. I, I, I think that the the actual um, like graphic or photo was. Pro- it, I think it's actually licensed to Kill Era, and I think they just kind of yeah. It. Where he, where he has that kind of like that like comb over kind of cut haircut. Mean, pom- it's like, like a pompadour like late eighties kind of thing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. I think he was kind of his, hair, his his hairline was was receding a little bit by that point. I would say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I I too had like I guess everybody else the uh, the NES Josh, but but before that certainly it was it was board games, you know. And uh, mm. I think because we're all board gamers of a different sort of level and mm. intensity, yeah. uh, this this series of uh, of us creating our own Bond inspired board games will be quite an interesting thing to hear and to share. Mm. Uh, we're going to start today with my idea, Yay. but I'm, uh, I'm really excited to see what you guys come up with too in the subsequent uh, sessions, because we're, we're going to take our time with this and, and kind of explain the creative process and, and whatnot. But, you know, I'm not wanting to get too far away from us as gamers yet, mm. because I, I want to identify that there are differences in the way that we, we board game. Yeah. Uh, you guys, to my impression, to my understanding, at least are uh, are more sophisticated into it. You do more of the collaborative gaming. You do more of the long stretches. I'm more of a classic gamer. When I do my board gaming, I like it to be something straightforward, something retro, something that can be done in an, in a couple of hours. Not necessarily because I don't have the nights in the morning. Oh, fair, and, you know, the time to stretch <laughs> on and on. So uh, the collaborative gaming really does interest me, and uh, I love you know, some of the ones that you guys talk about and you share, you know, when you share in your pictures and stuff like that, but I don't know or have, I don't have the experience with it that you guys do. So if I would just get my side out now by saying, you know, my game, my approach to game has a lot to do with luck and cards and dice and kind of, um, uh, integrating as much of the bond, uh, features, uh, uh, around, those sort of ideas of chance and luck and kind of dice confrontations and a little bit of the fighting fantasy books in there too. The, the Jackson books from when I was younger, I like some of those things, kind of the adventure scenarios. Um, it's a lot of community chest monopoly, pick up your card and see what happens type stuff with my, my game because it's very card heavy. Um, you guys will probably go somewhere else with yours, but do you want to speak very briefly to your experience in, kind of gaming as an adult because as kids, I think we covered it, you know, sorry, guess who and all, all that monopoly. But as, as adults, where are you now with your gaming? How have you evolved? Um, and, and what do you get out of it? Hmm. Well, for me, I'm not even, I am not a huge, like a video gamer. Like I used to be like, I have a PS4, I guess that indicates how behind I am. And 
I, I, I play games on, on there. Like I, and I enjoy them, but I don't, I find that like, I don't like to consume myself with them because it takes too much time and I have other things to do. Like, like essentially, and I also like watching movies and, and, and that's part of, of, of my life is watching movies, watching TV shows, mm-hmm, reading mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And I feel that if I got into gaming, I would lose those things. So every now and then I put on Uncharted. I have the, the, the collector's edition that has like all three games on the first three games on there. And I, and, and I play that because that just, you know, that's, I play it for a certain time until I get frustrated and then I pause it and I, then I just save it and then I, go back to whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, a little bit of a therapy thing. And that's about it for me. When it comes to like actual tabletop gaming, my gateway drug into that was probably risk me, you and your, yeah. uh, your uh, ex brother-in-law, I, I, I mm-hmm, guess mm-hmm. Is, is, the, is the proper term. Uh, we used to play that quite a lot and we enjoyed, we enjoyed playing risk to an extent. And I like the complexity of risk. I like the idea that it was almost like a real time computer strategy game, but on, on a game board surface, but even afterwards, I never really got into the tabletop community until I met a couple of people and then we started playing games. I think the one that really got me was when we were playing at a friend's house a couple of years ago. If you remember, Jeff, it was uh, Maury's Place mm-hmm. and we played the, the Battlestar Galactica board game, yeah. which has since been discontinued. And that's that all was- about like seeing, seeing which character is actually like the Cylon spy and all this sort of stuff. And that was a great game. And that good. showed me how enjoyable like some of these complex tabletop games was. Mm-hmm. But then it followed up with my friend Phil. He bought that like incredibly complex Robinson Crusoe game. Oh, yeah. But I still enjoyed it as like over as, as overtly insane as it was in terms of complexity. Mm. And then I got into that's where I get into my old stuff. Like that I really like wild. Well, well, yeah. Can you just can you just, can I stop you in your tracks and ask you? Because yeah. I know the book. I know the Defoe novel. Like what what? How do you make a board game of that? Is it like how does he get off the island? What's it's he going to eat? It's a board night? game like, of survival. It's a pure a game of pure survival, and it, it is ridiculous. impossible to win. I okay. died of like food poisoning because of bad <laughs> bad meat or something like that. Right? Like it is so overly complex. There's also like, like, four guns and hundreds. You know, you of die of dysentery. Yeah, it's you know, four it's like, trail. Oh, in a, yeah, in it's a, what it is. But like, it's take it to the extreme. <laughs> take it to the extreme. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and what was the other game too that uh, that Phil had? We played um, was uh, Scythe. That's a yeah. that's a big like ste- steampunk World War One yeah. kind of yeah, like game reality. Like, yeah, yeah. What if like the Tsarists, uh, all those like those those big mm. like pre World War One nations, you know, became like cool. these yeah. steampunk yeah. empires sort of thing, right? And it, that actually branched out into a like a, yeah. a real time strategy game, uh, like actual video game, and uh, yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool too, actually. So Jeff, and what then, about you? Like, what's what's your your experience, or you know, where are you now with tabletop gaming? Uh, I mean, I I play it um, with with Josh mostly. Like, I mean, when we have our our game nights. Uh, I mean, w- when I started um, playing, you know, board games, it was a lot of it. I mean, <laughs> uh, being Canadian, and you know, you have you're snowed in, or you know, weather and climate weather, or there's a power outage. You know, you just kind of go and you're like, hey, let's pull out the board games, and you know, that's kind of yeah, yeah. one of those things. So, you know, I, I grew up like we were saying, the very similar. We're all Canadian. We had the similar uh, boxes in the in the attic or in the you know in the storeroom. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like, you know, a lot of people my age, uh, is that, you know, we, uh, upgraded to, um, the video game systems that came out at the time. Uh, I was always a fan of, um, I liked Clue. I like Sorry, uh, Snakes and Ladders. I mean, I, these are all very low tech. Um, and, uh, Candyland. I really enjoyed those. I actually never played Candyland. I played Life once or twice. One board game. Now this was, 
this board game I really like, but this was kind of like the cutting edge of technology in the early early to mid nineties was I don't know if you guys ever played the Star Trek game where it was like came with the VHS tape and you have to like watch it, mm-hmm. pause it, and then that one was really fun. No, I don't I think say, so. That one was super fun. <laughs> Uh, they, they do a lot yeah. of those horror games like that too, like those Halloween yeah. games you get. They have like a videotape that, 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 that you put in and it looks like you're talking to like a, a Walmart Emperor Palpatine and he's doing all <laughs> exactly. this scary stuff or something well, like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I, I mean, that's that's sort of like, you know, where uh, – and like I, I enjoy board games. I ended up – I really – once I found out about like – like D and D, like Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, man, I was like, I'm all over. I was like, oh shit, yeah, this is the best. This, like, I can, we, you know, we like, did the role playing because I, I'm all about like world building. I always love just like, I, I, you know, I, I got quite an imagination, so I liked. I'm like, wow, so this is like a board game, but I can like make up my own character. I can act like my own character, and it's like I just love the idea of just being like, hey, so what you say from now on is your character and i was like oh i gotta be careful now like anyway that's just mm-hmm. and i that's what kind of drew me into doing like the, the the tabletop rpg games um and yeah. um and D and stuff like that uh when i found out like how board games like about 10 years ago or more when it, it was sort of like board games are coming back it was uh one thing that i noticed i can't remember the name of the podcast but it was felicia day um, like she's sort of in the the Comic Con world, and uh, people know her probably. She runs the Geeks and Gamers yeah, Geeks, channel. There you go, exactly. With, with like uh, with Wesley Crusher. What's yeah? Name? Um, uh, Will we? Will, Will exactly. Wheaton. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and so you know that's when I kind of realized like wow, a board like tabletop games are really coming back. And and then they and then I, I realized like wow, now there's like tabletop games are way more uh, like uh, involved now, right? Like it's it's crazy. It's like. You know, it's very crazy. It's very, it's, very I, crazy. I, it's not crazy. It's, well, it's I mean, wonderful. It's, it, it's, it's actually it's, wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's nice just to see big. something that's not tech, yeah. technical, or 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 yeah. you know, mm-hmm. on a screen, mm-hmm. and it's uh, you know, it, you know, it engages you to actually talk. Brings people, people and, together. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's yeah. good. Um, but, and this is why I'm really attracted to the collaborative type of games that you guys have been t- telling me mm-hmm. about. You know, and I yeah. really think that's a, a fascinating. Um, new development because not too many board games that I remember as a young or teenager, even a young adult, when I kind of stopped playing them, I guess, in my mid 20s or early 20s. I don't really remember collaborative philosophies no. to a lot of games, you know? No, because what happens is that with these collaborative games is that I think they kind of came from this concept. And I please correct me if, if I'm wrong, because I, I, I've been, you know, tabletop gaming for a couple of years, but some of the terminology I'm still kind of vague on because I just haven't really got into that community strongly, just just on my own and with my own circle of friends. But there's this idea of the Euro game, which is these board games that have like a Euro game is basically you have a huge board and then you, a huge complex map or something. And then you have like these uh, almost like a panel in front of you with all the multitude of different figurines and counters to keep track of things. Like the Euro games are always about the counters. I guess an example of a Euro game would be something like terraforming Mars, oh, yeah. which is not a collaborative, which is not a mm-hmm. collaborative game. It's actually, it's a, uh, you, you, you play against, you're always against each other. Yeah. 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 So there's Euro games and like, for example, there's complex education games like uh, Seven Wonders. Like that was a game that kind of got mm-hmm. me into the tabletop community. Uh, then there's so many card games out there, too, that they have that are really innovative. The most famous one I think people have heard of is Coup. Uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. said that to me. That's a good I have one. that downstairs. Awesome. I've never, I've, I'm yet to play it. It's I'm so fun, man. Like it's, I like it yeah. because it's a bit refreshing because it's it, not like a long drawn out 
uh, detailed board game, which are good, but yeah. it's a really yeah. good uh, introduction to people that like, you know, if we, uh, you know, we don't want to scare them off with a really complicated board game to begin with. We kind of, it's like a nice sort of introduction to, um, yes. you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a fast paced mm-hmm. card game, but it is, it's like a board game and it's just really fun. And, and it's, fairly simple rules and it just, it keeps you on your feet and it's a, uh, it's, it's a lots of game. bluffing. Yeah. Bluffing. And it's Bluff, fun. It's cool. just like, yeah, it's cool. You know, yeah, I need I need to get back home. I realistically need to get back home, guys, so that we can not not just get together, uh, you know, for many reasons. But I'd like to experience one of these. Um, I sound like a foreigner, but I'd like to experience <laughs> one of these uh, one of these trips to the moon. This far off place they talk about. Are you saying we're space cadets? <laughs> Yeah. Not at all. But I I am the space cadet because since having the kids and I mean life's so different, like I long for a night past ten thirty where I could just sit down and have some snacks and play a game. I know it yeah. sounds silly, but life's just different for me now. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this series because I'm gonna be able to you know, I'm gonna be able to listen to more experienced gamers than myself crack on about, you know, what could be a great addition to the the wider world of James Bond entertainment. So uh I I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's gonna be good fun. And uh I would agree. Yeah. But the last word sorry, go ahead, buddy. I was going to say the last word I have on collaborative gaming, uh, because you did bring that up additionally and I kind of went around in a circle Mm -hmm. there. But I would say like collaborative gaming, the most famous game out there right now not a very popular name these days. It's called Pandemic. Every every year, uh, for like they have a tournament in Pandemic, and one country gets to host it. And so what happens is that country gets their own version of the game made for them. Very cool. And, and one of them, one of them I have is when they did when I think I forget what year it was, but it, it was when Italy was hosting yeah. the Pandemic Rome, wasn't it? tournament. Yeah. So I have basically Pandemic, but mm. instead of uh, everyone teaming out, teaming together to you know kill all the, all these viruses across the world. Instead, each each player plays an aspect of like of the of Roman civilization, either like a console or like some sort of like figure or or, or apparatus oh, in, cool. in the Ro- in the Roman military, Roman society to fend off barbarian invasions. So all the viruses are re- are replaced by Visigoths, by Ostrogoths, by Vandals, <laughs> and, and stuff tomes. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ex- exactly. So that part is I That's found that neat. part. That's really neat. And then, of course, I have um, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer board game, which is collaborative, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting c- concept where each player plays a character and they have like their own abilities and they all team together. An AI or artificial intelligence is created by uh, the decks that belong to like the villains. So each game, you can choose a different big bad as the for that game. And then they each have their corresponding cards with the deck that you they uh, there's there's several decks where they determine like the course of the game and the events and where the enemies are put down so for example with the buffy game you have it's, it's a, the, the game board is a map of sunnydale and there's all these locations and then what happens at the end of each round uh you you, you pull up a card and you got to say okay so put two vampires at the bronze put two vampires at like the cemetery and then you got to put mm-hmm. two townies and the whole thing is that you got to prevent the vampires and demons from killing the townies while also picking up oh, the yeah. clues that lead you to find out who the big bad is and then how to fight the big bad. That's cool. And the thing, and the thing is that Ooh, if, you, if cool. you lose if you lose too many townies, then the hellmouth opens because the and then you lose the game. Or if if you yeah, if yeah. you get if you get wounded too many times, uh, you get if you get wounded so, so many times, then the hellmouth opens and you lose the game. So, you know, they build those, they build the game around the idea of what the show is about, but they put it in a game board format, but they put it in a very kind of easy to learn sort of like collaborative gaming. So that's just another example of kind of collaborative games. And I really like those types of games because uh, 
some people don't, some people like the competition and I totally get that, but I kind of like kind of mm-hmm. solving a mystery with, 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 with people. Mm. I, I, yeah, I, that's just really enjoy that. I, I enjoy the, the, the challenge of that. And I suppose guys, as a transition into, you know, the feature of this episode, uh, it's worth mentioning or tipping our hats to some of the, uh, I guess we could call them marketing offshoots of the James Bond mm. board game world because yeah. uh, we are, we're creating in the genre here that's obviously already had tracks laid for us. I know that most recently the Spectre game I mentioned a few, yes. few minutes ago, you know, that one is, mm. uh, that's, that's grown a bit of popularity now, the uh, Modifius Entertainment game. And before it's that, of course, Jeff, I remember. Oh, it is. I know. It's really, it's really expensive. And I'm Jeff and I were like talking about, Hill. um, about movie spin-off ones, you know, that they had in the sixties that are uh, collectible, mm. collectibles really, right. but very simple games. So, I mean, we're not exactly breaking new ground, but we're adding our own little bits into it. And, and I think, you know, a, a franchise, That's 25 okay. films deep, 25 films deep, we've got, you know, we got a lot to draw on to create. A, 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 Is that a, a card game. joke? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it fits. It, <laughs> it does, does work. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I think especially with, um, you know, a franchise like you know, James Bond. And also when it came out, when board games were, you know, popular in the sixties and having, it's funny because Bond was, uh, it wasn't necessarily a family sort of, um, franchise, but board games were popular at the time, you know, it's a, and obviously just because of the time there wasn't, you know, the internet and all that kind of stuff. So people would have parties, people would congregate and you'd sit at a table. That's a normal thing, right? So then you would most, if there's going to be marketing stuff, you're probably going to have a tabletop game. And obviously uh, at the time, it was probably, you know, it's, it looks very sort of basic for uh, those games, like the, the gameplay and the style is very basic compared to today's games. Like we were talking about how um, the complexity of board games have, have evolved because board games now are almost like a, a hybrid of like video games, sort of like how video games work and, and uh, Dungeons and Dragons, like RPG mechanics and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. it's cool to see that uh, with, with anyways what I'm trying to say is with, with Bond and how how you know how old the franchise is you, uh, with all these sort of tie-in marketing things whether it's the toys or uh, like when I say toys I don't just mean like the board games I mean you know like the cars and like you know water pistols and, and gadgets yeah um, it is interesting to see um, what they came up with at the time and uh and i think with with these what if episodes uh it's going to be fun to sort of bring our own uh, creativeness and and we're definitely going to put our own spin on it and Mm -hmm. that's what's that's what i'm excited about (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree with you jeff the creativity is is the key factor because that's what you need to make your game stand out amongst all the others Mm -hmm. the real trick i think in making a game about james bond or any ip is how you make the game work as a game, but also Ooh. how you interpret the, the the IP, the show or the movie or the book to make it feel like you're playing a game in that universe, in that world. Exactly. You still got to deal with like rules and stuff like that. But at the same time, you also want to make a, a game you want to be able to play too, right? That other pe- That other people can play. Now, there is a kind of a cutoff point where like, you know, if you're not a complex gamer, then maybe you shouldn't play like this particular game. And I mean, that's how that scares some people away. But then again, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. that's why it's a niche market in that capacity. But 
I think a game like Spectre, for example, like only people who are James Bond fans are going to fucking play that game. Like, yeah. it, it, I'm it, with it, you 100. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. after reviewing the rules for the game and and looking at the game carefully. I mean, it, it's yeah. pretty cool, but yeah, it is also fine. pretty complex. <laughs> yeah, and I don't really think though. I mean, as uh, you know, balancing them on scales, I don't really think outside of the the IP features, there's a lot there that would make it like a long-lasting wonderful game like yeah. it's it's okay but yeah. having taken a really good look at the instructions it's like okay so you're bringing a little bit of risk into this you're bringing a little bit of uh hotels <laughs> and monopoly into this yeah like you can see you can see the building blocks of the, this right? oh absolutely yes mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm excited to see what you guys have done because, hey, I mean, uh, building blocks have influenced me as well in the creation of, of, uh, of my game, yeah. but you're absolutely right. I mean, Spectre appeals to, appeals to Bond fans. And I think mine does too. In fact, it, it, uh, it probably requires some knowledge of the Bond films, even though I have tried to be in some of the questions and some of the tasks, I've tried to be generous with like multiple choice options or something, you know, that, granny can guess through if she finds herself around the table at christmas yeah. time you know but it seems like something that like one of the one of those things were like hey grandpa do you want to see i remember like showing uh i think it was uh jack uh Granio's uh, late husband. I remember showing him like mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering and stuff like that, and he was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh, he's like, "What the hell is mana?" And why do you have to yeah. put the card sideways? I don't care. I'm out of here. Bye. And that's probably that's what right. he said. yeah. Why? Yeah, and that's a graveyard. Actually, what? Well, I mean, what? actually, I'm just trying to think now. <laughs> no, maybe I think maybe it was Jack. Yeah, because I know I remember I was. I had fond memories of playing Monopoly with uh, Frank Douglas Bercy, though I have to say, our grandfather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that he was a good Monopoly player, and <laughs> mm. and like we would in play life, late- as in that's on the table. <laughs> oh anyway, boy, a- he was he was a good Monopoly player. Uh, but I think the trick is like for James Bond in particular. How do you make that into a board game? Because you have a story designed around a single character. How do you make that a multiplayer game? You know, how do you? Mm, well, uh, that's the situation. Like, how what 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 do you? Do you make it a multiplayer game only, or do you think more abstractly? Do you think of a way to just compose the themes or the ideas of James Bond, either on like an either on like an internal story level, or maybe even on a meta level? What way do you go, you know, to make it interesting? So I think that's something mm-hmm. that's that 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 it'll be fun to explore when designing these games. I'm sure which you've already probably discovered uh, designing your game as you're going to be featuring today. Yes, indeed. I, I've uh, I worked through the wall and I came out the other side and uh, I presented you just last night reference? the instructions. Uh, <laughs> plaster. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I was I thinking of the, great, of the wall in uh, Westeros. I wasn't thinking of that. I just remember now when he goes to the plaster in Casino Royale, yeah. the, the parkour Jeff, sequence. Jeff's a step or two ahead of you. Yeah, he definitely is. Good for you, Jeff. Um, you're, you're ahead on the James Bond references than I am. I rolled a 20. You t- <laughs> Yeah, critical hit. Well, guys, let's get into it then, shall we? I think so. Let, let's present Bond by Numbers' uh, first board game for our What If series. So, everybody, um, thank you very much for joining us here on this um, different sort of creative episode of bond by numbers uh we're very very pleased that uh, we're together again to do this and what Mm -hmm. we've thought about doing 
is instead of kind of presenting our games to one another and to yourself by reading out a manual, which would be fairly boring and staid, uh, what we're going to do instead is we're kind of with like um, questions and responses so that you at home listening can get a feel for the game through the eyes of someone who's just looking for the first time at the manual, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So you're talking to the creator of the game. You can ask questions about it, and I'll uh, expand on the game as we go. How does that sound? That's good, I think. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. So basically, Scott sent us an email uh, that has a file, and that file opens up to a very colorful kind of proto-manual of what the game is is about. Mm. Let's just go over this this uh, manual here or, or this presentation that Scott has and and see what we can make and see if we can make sense out of it. I'm sure we will. Well, but what what I was what I what I want to ask you is so what what made you want to do this type of game for Bond? That's the right. main question I think, or one of the right. best ones to open up. <laughs> I agree. Okay, I, that's a good question and. My game is very much, um, in, instead of like a snakes and ladders, follow the path type game, mm-hmm. or, you know, like places, geographical maps like Risk, or like, uh, even like Josh was saying earlier, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. instead of that type of a, a pathway game, I have a game board that's separated into quadrants and is heavily based on dice rolling and drawing cards that you can use in different situations. Mm-hmm. So I think, that Jeff, what what made me want to go this way for the game Bond by Numbers Dice Fire is um, that's just a great title. I, I want to get our brand Ooh. in there, boys. You know, yeah, got to get well, the brand fire. in there. I think you can. did. I think you. Dice Fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, you... Josh. That's fucking chills, man. Fucking chills. <laughs> you say that. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted a game that was heavily on. You got to write a theme song now. Uh, scenario. I will. I'll go do that. Dice heavy on rolling, fire. heavy on scenario, and card card drawing. Right, that's what I want. Yeah. So that's why I have a, a a two to four player game with a rectangular board separated into into four parts. I think four I that. is a is enough for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a it's a, yeah it's like a basketball court divided into four sections essentially, as you described. With this, like right in the middle, there's like the face off, and yeah, kind of yeah, <laughs> yeah. Should we, should or, we describe the, the game board? I mean, it's on our Instagram. You can see it. But okay. it, why don't I just uh, describe very briefly the game? So it's a rectangular game board, and it's separated into, as I've already said, four different quadrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, each quadrant has a space for a little, or like kind of like a rectangular dossier wallet, which you're going to need to collect cards through the game. Uh, yep. Then to the left or the right, depending on where you're sitting, you have a stack of cards that you have access to. These are the mission progress cards that you'll need to draw depending on what stage you're going for. Uh, Opposite you is an identical mirrored opponent. So, you know, looking at you with the exact same thing in front of them. And, uh, or I I guess guess I should say, just pull myself back. Mm -hmm. Ahead of the dossier wallet space, you have your rolling platform, which of course is like Greenfelt Casino type rolling stuff, which I have on little platforms. Yeah. Bays, that's right. Yeah, on the felt platforms, felt base platforms. And in the middle of the game board uh, is this gun barrel plate. Oh, it's yeah. like a, a metallic gun barrel plate where the villain, who the big bad we face at the end of the game, is uh, kind of secluded, much like the murderer and the weapon and the location and clue is sealed in an envelope. Mm-hmm. We have the the villain that we face is secluded and kept from everybody until one of the players reaches that final stage in the game. Very cool. And how many players can play this game? 
This game uh, can be played between two and four players. Hmm. Okay. okay. So, so when the map is on the ground in the four quadrants and you're playing two people, then you're only using two spaces on the board. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Very yeah. cool. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, there's equal number of cards on either side so that you can pull from wherever you want on the board. It doesn't matter. The discard pile just goes underneath, right? The discarded okay. cards just so go underneath. So. so you presented a good, you know, presentation of what the game board is like and, and it's various pieces. Uh, not well, Various sections, I should say, or quadrants is the word that you used. So let's talk about the cards. Uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. I did, I did miss something. I did miss oh. something. Sorry, oh, you guys. missed something. Uh, the, okay. game, the game board itself, right? I want everybody to imagine that it's not just a piece of cardboard sitting on the table, but I've got little ball and claw pegs that stick mm. into the corners that raise it ever so slightly about a half an inch off the table. So I think okay. it's just about a centimeter or so off the table. Mm. The game board is raised with these little miniature ball and claw. Oh, things. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I, I just think that, that that helps with the felt platforms just to sit yeah. nicely, those base platforms to sit nicely into the game board. And it also allows for the leather holsters, the holsters <laughs> which we have on the corners of the game these uh, these holsters, which hold our little specialized Bond figurines, these uh, these kind of can sit comfortably there. So I do want the game board raised a little bit off the table, not quite like a Ouija board thing that's raised that much <laughs> when you're moving it around. But if I, I just think it's a bit classy to have your game board s- sitting a little proud, a little up with these little ball and claw pegs. I, I think it's cool, oh, like yeah, a nice piece of furniture, you know, like a shade lounge or something. Absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It sets the mood. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It shows that, um, you know, this isn't just your everyday kind of board game. This is something, something different, something. Well, it's got that beyond. style. It's got something that style, bond. uh, that je ne sais quoi that Bond has, right? Like Bond wouldn't have well, like a willy nilly, like, you know, um, run of the mill, uh, tin Bradley board. <laughs> see what mm. I did there? No, 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 no. Uh, so yeah, he would have I something did see like that. that. Yeah. Um, it's almost like a Baccarat table or something. I, well, that's what I thought he was kind of going Of the for. many that's, casinos yeah. that he goes into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah, so that's the, this, that's the playing space. That's mm-hmm. the, the game board itself. So um, then there's cards, correct? So how does it work with yes. um, the cards? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the cards represent the different stages of the mission, okay? So players will use a combination of the dice lock and cards and character skill points to negotiate bond through different stages of a mission. There are five stages to the mission, each of which is represented by a deck of cards. So you have one set of cards for the mission called the hench or the hench person. You've got one set of cards for the ally, one set of cards for the gamble, one set of cards for the puzzle, and another set of cards for the location. And if you look at your table diagrams, guys, you can see that over uh, on the left or the right, depending on how you're looking at it, the mission progress cards are sitting in stacks, right? You see right. them there. So yeah. five, five separate stacks for five separate areas or mission stages. And each of these stages, when you draw your card, it'll ask you to do something different. So if... As a player, you're going to take on the henchman or the hench person stage of the game. You pull a card off the top of that pile and you'll essentially see a hench person on the card with a series of attributes. Now, these intelligence, survival and strength ratings will be used 
in combat against your own survival strength and intelligence readings, mm. which are based on whichever bond you've selected. Right. And I have predetermined those as creator of the game, right? Mm. So the hench stage is all about your skills as bond combined with dice rolling to see who, you know, wins, right? So if you beat the henchman in this combat, then you get to pass the stage and you collect that card and you tuck it down into your um your in, into your wallet, wallet so right. to speak which mm-hmm. is proof of your advancement through the game mm-hmm. then another stage right another pile of cards for the ally you need to pass this stage as well this is a challenge that is marked by answering two questions pertaining to James Bond allies. So we're moving away from dice rolling here and we're getting into kind of trivium and kind of um, that's you know, knowledge of I saw that. I thought that right? was that that's a little nugget that, uh, you know, James Bond fans are really going to enjoy, I would say. That's really cool. Yeah. So each card contains two questions. One is multiple choice and one is objective. Both will challenge the player's knowledge of the Bond films and the books to varying degrees of difficulty, right? So um, the answers to these books, by the way, are in the appendices, which I'll publish, of course, when this, you know, this uh, model gets picked up by mm. all the big companies. I'll, which I'll I, then have I, to go, I think it will. Yeah, publish. Yeah. You paid me <laughs> to, to, you paid me to say that, but, but I also agree that I think it will. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will. Um and so that, that's just some questions, right? Questions about the allies. Um, then we've got the gamble stage. And the gamble stage is where you will have to, as Bond, roll the dice and win in a small game of luck. So every card in the gamble deck is made up of simple instructions to a short dice game. There are all sorts of different dice games that can be done with just a couple of moments, right? And also the instructions will constitute what what's a win and what's a pass, okay? Depending on the task, um, some will be easier than others, but that's all part of the random luck of the draw. And um, mm-hmm. there's a gamble element to one of your mission stages. Uh, we also have a mission stage called the Puzzle. Now, in order to pass this stage, you have to apply your intellect to a scenario or to a conundrum. Uh-oh. Now, one of the things that I, yeah, well, one of the things that I really liked, what I really like about um, uh, about games is when you're kind of stopped in your tracks sometimes, and y- you have to think kind of like you did with Mind Trap. You remember Mind Trap, right? I or do. something like oh, that. yeah, a logic pu- like a logic puzzle, or you got to mm. negotiate a different situation. So, in 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 the Bond world, realistically, to varying degrees. I can't believe I just said in the Bond world realistically next to each other, but um, all the cinematic and literary Bonds, right? They have had to use their intelligence to negotiate situations, whether escaping layers or defeating henchmen or evading detection. It's a big part of what makes Bond fun. Mm -hmm. But Bond by Numbers Dice Fire is restricted to a tabletop nature. So I've decided to present the challenge of kind of, you know, being a spy in the form of puzzles like needing to use your intellect in a different sort of way. So some of these are canon related, but others are just kind of based on maths or language or logic or creativity. Others still will draw from like escape room mechanics. Uh, I have also included in the game a five minute timer. So Mm. these are all rather small challenges. Players will have five minutes in which to complete the puzzle stage. And as with the ally and the gamble and the um, hench 
once you pass it successfully, you get your card and you put it into your dossier wallet, which is proof of you having uh, succeeded, right? And the solutions to all of these puzzles, I should say, is printed in the same booklet that will hold all of your trivia answers as well. So, so we've got four of our five stages explained. The last stage is uh, of your mission is the location stage. Mm. And this is going back to the kind of the questions in the trivia, okay? Mm-hmm. So right. in the location stage, you've got two questions. Both must be answered successfully in order for Bond to win the stage and to collect the mission progress card. The first question is specific to the, that location's appearance in the James Bond film. So imagine you've got your... You've got your locations pile. You take the top card and you see that the location is uh, right at the top. It'll say something like St. Petersburg. Okay. St. Mm-hmm. Petersburg, yeah. which of course, was a big part in the GoldenEye. Yes. And maybe the first question is like, um, where were Bond and Natalia held prisoner? And you've got oh, like, three options, right? That That's the first one. So you answer that question correctly, right? Then you go to the second one. The second one is a little bit different. It's more of a real-world question about the location's culture or food or geography or history. So it might be something like, um, you know, which famous piece of art, um, what was the name <laughs> of St. Petersburg before it was St. Petersburg? You know, Leningrad, right? You could do something like right. that. You could do something like that. Um, but that would be like a real question, and you'd have a Bond question, right? Or you see where I'm going with that, right? Yeah. yeah. So that, that's kind of how that would work, right? Like, right. You go that way. I, I, um, so that's your five. I love that. That's your I, five mission stages. I really like the uh, your the idea of you having sort of these trivia and like sort of real world questions. When I read that, I was like, man, that that's a really unique feature, um, which is sort of like or just like overall trivia to add into like the Bond universe. That even 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 if they're if the person who's playing is not necessarily huge into bond, they, it's still like, you know, kind of trivia. And I thought that was a really nice sort of addition. I thought that was really, really cool. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to do because, Mm. because, you know, and giving the multiple choice, I think bond fans, I think bond fans will be able to get through these questions pretty easily, but they might get stumped on like, one of the trivia questions. Yeah. Whereas someone who's a general Balance. film yeah, fan exactly. might not want to play a game of Bond sure. trivia. They might just appreciate the chance to get it right by Bunch guessing the multiple choice question, <sighs> but knowing what people eat in Greece, you know, for the festival months or, or whatever. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. there's some something a bit different there. So I, I yeah. feel like the mission stages is kind of the, the mission stages are kind of what what's at the heart of the game, because mm. when you choose your bond character to start the game, and I guess, you know, with the, the full benefit of hindsight, we could have started there in the explanations, but it doesn't matter when you start with your bond character. It's the mission stages you go to first. There's no order you need to complete them in, but you have to go through the hench, the ally, the gamble, the puzzle and the location mm-hmm. before you can move on to the next level. Now, I think before we go on to explain the next level, or indeed for me to answer your questions on it, I should go back and explain to everybody how choosing your bond works, because this is one of the things you would have to do before you, you know, you made your first play. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing here like uh, the, the bond choices. I'm seeing strength and intelligence. Mm. I'm like, this is a D and D character creation chart Indeed. right now. I'm looking at. It sure so. is. <laughs> Well, I guess I guess that's where this has come from. You know, I, I love those. Um, I, I only play D and D a little bit, and yeah. I I can honestly honestly tell you that outside of a few campaigns I did in the nineteen nineties when I was at high school, mm-hmm. I don't think I've returned to it. But something, Josh, which did 
stick in my mind quite a bit from those early years of the late 80s. When you and I would get together, I remember we used to have some fun reading the um, the, the fighting fantasy books, you know, the role, like you read a page and it says, oh, you've met an orc. If you roll higher than a six, yeah, you can see the, through the gate, mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. Yeah. So or like the swords and serpents, like those like old yeah, computer games yeah, where, that's where right, it's like, that's right. oh yeah, uh, it's like, a, it's like basically like a corridor, po- very poorly animated corridor. And you're like, if mm. you choose this, then this will happen or something like something like that. Kind yeah, of a kind fantasy, of like yeah. kind of a fantasy Oregon trail almost mm-hmm. in how yeah. it's done. <laughs> well, in choosing your bond, I think it's important everybody understands that each bond that you can select, Connery, Lazenby, Moore, Dalton, Brosnan, and Craig, each have a total of 25 skill points, okay? But I've spread these skill points, or these attributes, if you want, differently across five categories. Now, this is my read only as game creator. Right. Some out there will disagree with me. And if, if, you're really fanced, if you're really fancy one character, you might not like my read on it, okay? But no single, <laughs> bond, no single bond is better than any other. Right. Okay, all the attributes, strength, intelligence, charm, survival, and style, there are five of them, each of those attributes are needed to succeed mm-hmm. in the game, and they'll be helpful during dice rolls on certain questions and at certain stages. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you choose Lazenby's Bond, just because he was only in one movie yeah, instead of not, seven, yeah. like Roger Moore, it don't matter. Like, it, it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, Lazenby's strength is at a five, a five out of six, right? Mm-hmm. It's I, I do this from from uh, one to six, or realistically, yeah, the Bonds, yeah. it's four to six. But yeah. I saw that. I was going to say the stats. Uh, I mean, it makes sense from from reading the way you did the stats for each uh, each bond. It it makes it makes sense to me. So I think you did a I think you Does did it? a bang okay, up job good. on how you uh, you uh, spread out the stats per bond. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm I'm pleased to hear that because I wasn't certain if you know more more doesn't feel like a Connery strong. No, bond. that's why more, I was like, oh yeah, I see Connery full, has yeah. full strength, and I'm like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and so so does Craig. I gave Craig yeah. full strength yeah, yeah. as well, whereas Moore only has four, Ooh, and Connery sense. and Craig, I, I put it. No, six. I thought maybe you uh, would being like a big Moore fan, you make us like seven or something. You just like you know, <laughs> no, OP. You're like, oh, you know, no, I'm just no, kidding. Uh, that's kidding. I, I had to start evenly for Connery, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, because if you think about his films, it's he doesn't always use his smarts pull, to get out of them. The, like the thing, the thing that, the thing that Connery is intelligent about happens to be like snooty things, like oh, the temperature of sun, yeah, and all yeah, that type of exactly, shit. Like, yeah. he doesn't really. He's not like Dalton. He's not. He's no. not precise. Like Dalton's the only one I've given a six because I think he is the most intelligent Bond. I think he is the one who is really reading situations, and maybe that's Dalton's performance of it. But I think that Dalton can exit an escape room quicker than any of the other ones. Probably. I actually think he would be able to do that. Oh, and I know that's only yeah. one form of intelligence, right, but right. um I think that um you know, I think Dalton is he, he's quite quite an intelligent bond. I I, I don't mean Connery's not. No. I, I'm just but, saying I'm giving I you know, I had to spread it out somewhere. Connery's and more I see, cunning. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. He's like he's reactive and he's cunning in, he in that reactive, fashion. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's like I said, right? If if you made your your character attribute chart, you might put sixes, fives, and fours in different variations. Yeah, different it's my game. I uh, do but, what I want, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of how I felt about it. Like, if you don't like the way I've rated the bonds, then that's okay. Yeah, Tough shit. Like, you know, you can, <laughs> but I, but what I what I meant to say is, I think you did a pretty bang up job of being like realistic. Yeah. Compare how how they're 
portray, like if you're going to put a number beside these attributes, from what I can see, it does make sense. Even if you, you know, you're uh, biased to certain bonds, it doesn't show in how you, uh, you allotted the numbers. That's what I was long. Well, that's, too long that's good to hear. And regardless is you can't give every bond higher, high scores and everybody, no. you got to have it ba- no, yeah. balanced out too. Yeah, right. To, so that's very important. Yeah. I think you, it, I think it shows you put thought into it despite well, any biases. He absolutely. So, put you, thought into this. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you for that. Well, each of the You're bonds welcome. guys also comes with, also comes with their own, uh, little, um, unique miniature, right? And when, Whoa. once you select what bond you want to play the game through, you take that miniature and the card, which would go along with him so that you always know your strength, intelligence, charm, survival, and style. Yeah. And you would take that miniature and you would put him in your little holster there next to your play, right? Your, your game is, I just want to comment as a, you know, as a modern tabletop gamer, it's almost a mixture of old school game boarding and mm. modern game boarding. Yeah. G- game boarding. That's exactly. Because, exactly. Because, because you have like these little, these little cards that show, you know, like what you, you play with, what you can do during the round, because you're encountering a complex situation in front of you on the game board or, you know, for each mission. And then at the same time, you're also, you know, you're relying on dice, you're using trivia, you're going on a meta level, but you're also going on also a thematic level as well, because you're kind of having the idea of the missions, you're having the idea of like these mission wallets, uh, you know, and these villains like you're incorporating both meta and also like internal thematic elements okay. from the bond series yeah well that, okay, that's okay that, that, that's, that's cool good to hear because i don't know too much about modern gaming to be honest you had said before how with modern gaming you're not you're saying that you're just not up up to speed yet or you're just like you know you just haven't sort of delved into that um but uh, i'd have to say that for what you've created here it really is actually quite a good amalgamation of sort of the style the games are going now with complexity, but also you have what you've grown up with, with what you're used to with that sort of older um, old school uh, style of, of, of board game. And uh, so I think it's a nice amalgamation of both. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, that's why I was actually quite oh. impressed with you saying that you're yeah. just not a, you're not like, you know, an experienced modern gamer with those new types of complex games, but you have uh, really sort of done a nice job of, of meshing the, the two together so it, it, oh, that's good go. that's good to know that's good and then you have awesome. the gambling part um, of it like the, the dice rolling the idea mm-hmm. of chance which are very bondian things so that's also that's incorporated true, yeah. that in there thematically and i did want to lean into that the kind of gambling things and and a lot of the gambling scenes in the films for obvious reasons but um they're often cut short and you kind of want more time in the casinos and so i felt like <laughs> if i can create for the players yeah. of this game a little Bayes platform and their own set of individual mission dice. That's two six sided dice and one eight sided dice, which we'll talk about shortly. You know, then I thought that could be quite fun. You know, they, they would have their own matching dice to go with their own little bond figure, you know, yeah. it's just a little bit of fanboy in there. But, um, if we, if we move on guys and yeah. get back to the mission stages, once, once a mission stage has been completed. So any mission stage, Right, you will collect the mission progress card that you flipped up to tell you what the task was, and you'll stuff that in your wallet. But you will also get what's called a Fleming Bond booster. Now, Ooh. I'm quite proud of these Fleming yeah. Bond boosters because you see what happens in this. Right, every time you pass a stage, you get a Fleming Bond booster, which is its own separate pile you draw from, and these boosters are unique add-ons or they're kind of like helpers that you can use in your contest against the villain at the end of the game so 
There are different types, but all of them offer specific advantages that may be of use to you later in the match. For example, um, in my write-up to you guys, and the listener will, uh, will just hear this, of course, but I've given an example of what one of these Fleming Bond boosters looks like. So in Diamonds Are Forever, Felix Leiter and James Bond in the novel have a nice dinner out together, right, in New York. And in that scene, the restaurant particularly, they order Britzola, short ribs, at Sardi's restaurant, right? Mm. So my Fleming Bond booster, for example, would be something like this. You flip up the card, you read the back of it, and it says, Felix Leiter treats you to a lunch of Brizola short ribs at Sardi's restaurant. Add 0.5 to your strength roll. Hmm. So then when you get to the final stage of the game, which is the villain showdown, we'll talk about in a few moments, you can, if you want to take that card with you into combat, when you add your strength roll, or when you go to do your strength roll against the villain, you would add half a point to your calculation and get that extra number on top, right? Mm, Which could be useful in combat. Yeah. I so like that. each of the Fleming Bond boosts like a modifier. Comes, mm-hmm. Yeah, like a modifier. And it comes from the world of the Fleming novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, less so the films. World of the Fleming novels and it's just a little something extra. A little nugget for the uh, for the fans that are potentially uh, you know um in regards to the books as well, right? So Yeah, but also, yeah. if they're not familiar with the stories, it gives them yeah. little things that they little know about, that... you know, they, they learn about the stories, right? Exactly. And mm-hmm. uh, they will be, they, they'll be kind of organized around your own, your own points. So there will be the intelligence, there will be the charm, there will be the style. And as you have to use these in the villain showdown, it only makes sense that the Fleming Bond boosters are in somehow kind of in in company or in complement with that, you know? Okay. So what are these bond versus bond cards? Aha. aha. Good question, my friend. Good question. You might pick a Fleming bond booster after you pass a mission stage. There are 10 of these bond versus bond cards hidden within the Fleming bond booster pile. If you happen to draw a bond versus bond card in collecting your bond booster, the Fleming bond booster, What you have to do is challenge another player across the table or perhaps adjacent to you, next to you, if uh, if you're sitting next to one, and Mm -hmm. you have to roll against that bond. Mm -hmm. And in this head-to-head, this very short head-to-head, you have your eight-sided dice comes into play. Mm -hmm. And what you'll do is multiply, multiply that bond's strength rating against their roll. And if it's Less than yours, you get to take one of their Fleming Bond booster cards mm. and then you kind of steal it that way, right? So whichever player has a higher strength total after the eight dice roll multiplied by their Bond strength is the winner and they get to steal the opponent's Fleming Bond booster cards. Of course, it's like. just a bit of shit luck, right? If you happen to draw that and then you lose your dice roll, you have to give up You have to give up one of your cards. That's yeah. I, like yeah. I like it. I yeah, do. just a little That's bit cool. of, uh, yeah, there's only 10 of these within the deck, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 10 of these, but uh, it's just a little something. And the reason the Fleming Bond boosters are important is because you're going to take them into the villain showdown with you. Right. Have you guys had a chance to look at that stuff? Yeah, I've looked, I glanced at it, but uh, you're going to have to kind of lay this out for me in a way. Uh, sometimes I learn visually and sometimes I learn just through <laughs> demonstration. So I'll, I'm 50-50 mm-hmm. that okay. way. <laughs> no problem. So the last stage of the game, guys, once you have passed each of the mission stages and you've collected a mission progress card for each of those stages, okay, that'll be the first player 
is completed can go to the villain showdown on their next turn. Yeah? Okay. Now, the villain showdown is really cool because in the setup to the game, you'll have taken from the villain card deck one blind draw Mm -hmm. and slide it into an envelope just like you do when you're playing Clue or Cluedo here in the UK. (laughs) You'll seal it and you'll throw it in the gun barrel decal in the middle of the table and there it will sit. There it will sit. Villains, the villain cards, just like the bonds, each have points for attributes, intelligence, strength, charm, style, and survival, right? And in the villain showdown, if your player gets there first, you take out that card, you flip up and you see who the big bad is, and you got to prepare yourself for a battle, combat, right? You can choose three of the Fleming boosters that you have collected along the way to take into confrontation with you. Okay, so they'll supplement your character skill points and perhaps inject surprises in your showdown conflict with the villain. If a player is beaten by the villain, any Fleming booster cards that you used in confrontation have got to be returned to the bottom of the deck and you'll basically have to wait until another turn to try that villain on again. Okay, but once the villain is revealed, it's the same villain for everybody because... This is, it's, there's only one villain in the middle of the table, right? Yeah. So you'll reveal who that figure is, and this villain will come from the world of James Bond, book or film. And all three dice will need to be thrown in order to calculate the roll total here. All right? All three of your dice, and you can take three of your Fleming Booster cards in with you into battle to help supplement your dice throwing. Now, I've provided you guys with a little chart, and... Uh, yes. Listener can have a look at this as well uh, if you want to see what it is we're talking about. In order to beat the villain and win the game, you have to roll and defeat that villain's attributes across three of the five categories. Okay, so it's like a best three out of five. Mm -hmm. Now, the example that I've put there is Bond versus Renard. Okay, so you can see here... I went for Connery's Bond, uh, the skill points for strength, intelligence, charm, and survival, and style, 64555, against Renard's 64564. So I thought Renard deserved a better survival score than Connery because essentially he can't feel pain and, you know, well, I right. guess him with six with strength, yeah, six with survival, you know, he, I think I think it's probably something that's going to help him, you know, if, if he's not... Yeah getting missiles thrown through his guts or whatever happened <laughs> to him at the end of the one. Uh, yeah, so, I, or, what the fuck was that? What did he get through his guts? Okay, what was that? What, like uh, a nuclear thing. How yeah, was that like a warhead? It was like yeah. the rod that he was shoving into the reactor the sub, of the yeah. submarine. That's right. Okay, submarine. okay, okay. Right. So in the example I've given you there, guys, you can see uh, I've used Connery's Bond attributes or skill points and i've pitted them against renard so we're imagining renard was the villain who was in that envelope and the first player to make it through the mission stages gets to take him on essentially the way you do it you use all three of your dice you've got your two six-sided dice and your eight-sided die you will also take with you into battle three of your selected fleming bond boosters now in a short game in a short game I suggest you just go through each of the mission stages once, so you'd have five cards to choose from. In an uh, in an average game, you can collect two mission stage cards 
from our mission progress cards from the stages. And in a long game, you might want to go for three, right? So it all depends on, on what you're up for. But you take three of them into battle with you. So you got to choose which three you think might be best for your you know, your bond, perhaps. So if I'm looking at Connery and I see his intelligence score is four and I have a Fleming bond booster that gives extra mark for your intelligence, then I'm going to want to take that one into battle with me because that's going to help my role overall. Right. Yeah. So it's just, that's, that's kind of where the strategy comes into it, I guess. And you'll throw all your dice down for each of the roles or each of the rounds, so to speak, strength, intelligence, charm, survival, and style. You go for two roles there and the winner uh, overall, needs to get uh, three out of five in order to to beat the villain. If you beat the villain, you win the game, and uh, you're out of it. Right? That makes sense. Okay. And if 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 players who are left at the table uh, keep playing, then they can just play another villain. Right? They play another villain. We just put a oh, different one into the envelope. I like. What happens if you lose against three. the villain? If you lose against the villain, you have to wait until your next turn to either take him on again, or because you also lose your Fleming booster cards, you might want to go back into the uh, one of the other mission stages to earn another one oh. right, that you can take into battle with you. Okay. Okay. So, so, you, so you can go back to mission stages if yes. you want to. Mm, okay. To, yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Because every time you lose, you have to you have to also get rid of your Fleming booster cards. They go back to the bottom of the pile. Right. And so, if your Fleming boosters are no longer there with you, you probably need to get another one. <laughs> <laughs> you might. You don't have to. You yeah. you can just chance it. But there are some villains who have higher strength right. and higher um, style or whatever than you know Bond. So yeah, the Fleming boosters are really useful in giving Bond an advantage. But some villains have quite you know high scores, right? So yeah, crazy. Yeah, like for example, Jaws is not a villain. Jaws operates as a henchman in my game. Right. But Jaws has a strength score of seven. I think mm. I put him down that makes four sense. or seven. Yeah. So, you know, you need to you need to beat him on something. What about lactose? Got to use what's his lactose. What's his? I can't remember what I put down for lactose. <laughs> I think lactose. <laughs> I think I think his highest was style. If I'm not. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's all hair green, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's not charm. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Jeez. So um, that that's kind of it, right? That that's how the game works structurally. Although my explanations are not doing it are not doing it justice. Sure structurally, there. it's quite a it's quite an easy game because you choose your bond, you set up the board, you draw cards, you move through five mission stages, and then after you've completed that and you have cards for each of them, you can advance into the villain showdown, which is really a head-to-head dice roll. Right. Uh, one of your opponents will roll for the villain, and you will roll using your extra little booster cards and see if you can defeat him. If you can defeat him, you win the game. Yeah. So a game of Bond by Numbers dice fire could be anywhere from 45 minutes to three hours, you know, I think depending on how you wanted to stretch it out. So it could be a quick, uh, a nice little starter game on a longer night of board gaming, or it could be its own big adventure, depending on, on how you, uh, how you set it up. But I think I would just say that it's not a game for the faint of heart or for those who can't handle random chance. Now, a lot of players don't like that. A lot of players want, I, I suspect at least, strategy, and they want to be able to blame or credit themselves for victory. Uh, but this is heavy on the dice roll. So strategy and intelligence is part of it, but it plays second fiddle to the cards and lucky rolls. Yeah. It's not so it's, a, like it's not about how intelligent... 
Yes, it's not about how intelligent you are. It's about how lucky you've been and can you use what intelligence you need to when you're called upon to do well. That's It's kind of <laughs> and, dice and luck first, intelligence later. Well, and I think th- those are important to have, and it's nice to have little bits of either of those so it's not just one or the other. And so I think it does reward different types of gamers in that sense that would be playing this. Yeah, it's balanced that way. So there's gamers that may not be great in terms of rolling or, or, or dice rolling and whatnot, like who are used to that. Who, who are mathematically good at predicting things as well when they roll. Uh, that's a big factor. That's a big factor. But people who, you know, who know the Bond trivia quite well will benefit in the trivia round yeah. and whatnot. So I was hoping there's so. a good balance of things for there is a good big fans and, and things for, for quasi fans and things for, for just people who want to just, you know, James Bond board game. Yeah, sure. I got nothing to do. Let's just let's just mm-hmm. do this and 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 you know like i'm not i'm a good dice roller but i don't know shit about james bond so but i'm a good dice roller so whatever all i'm here is for the beer and the food that's <laughs> all <laughs> well i i think you and know, I, I didn't from what you were doing there scott it, it the idea there i think this this is that that is a good sort of formula for a board game for anyone because you're rewarding uh gamers that just want something new or gamers that are really interested in like a like you know a franchise like James Bond and they want to play it so then it rewards different types of gamers uh, different types of fans and i think and and that's why it because this encompasses different types of board games different types of games in general and obviously it just multifaceted and, and, and for fun to be honest with you so i think that's why th- this uh, this looks like a home run again scott did pay me before the episode so that's why i'm saying this but <laughs> i didn't uh, of course I didn't at all but, <laughs> but I, i'm, uh, quite, I'm yeah. quite pleased to hear you to hear you say that that um, was monopoly yeah. money jeff just check it in your yeah. wallet oh, actually monopoly he paid money. me in <laughs> short ribs which was also great i did yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, guys, like Result, th- yeah. there's nothing. I I didn't I didn't put any of these in my booklet or my uh, proto my proto manual. Um, but there's nothing to say ho- that there couldn't also have some home rules with this, right? Some house sure, rules. Sure, of course. And it's like it's like Monopoly. if you wanted to collaborate, <laughs> if you wanted to collaborate on the logic oh, stuff, sorry. Bond could help Bond, sure. and maybe you trade cards for help or something. You know, like oh, I've got four Fleming boosters. If you help me with this, Dalton, I'll give ah. you one of mine. That you you know you you could do stuff like that if you want to use uh, some different sort of rules. Sure. Because I appreciate that not everybody's going to be able to solve a logic puzzle. Yeah, I mean, why not? You know, you can do stuff like that if you want to, but. Um, generally speaking, I, I was just going for the fun aspect. And, you know, the other thing I'm really pleased with is from a planning point of view, I would put so much work into the decks so that all of the bond well-knowns would be there, but also there would be some lesser known ones. And if through my Fleming bond boosters, I could turn some bond fans who are kind of exclusively movie oriented to some of the cool uh, stuff from the books as well, mm. then I think I'm also doing the franchise a favor yeah, by you, are. you know creating a bit of legacy and longevity for uh, for fandom as as such. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm bringing yeah. film fans across across the the floor to the books as well. You know, but well, I, yeah. that that's the idea for Bond by Numbers Dice Fire anyway. That makes sense, and yeah, I, well, I think with anything uh if you have fans and whenever you reward fans in different ways it it makes them feel good you know we're like oh man i'm a fan of this and and because you're doing this it makes like i've always liked that aspect of something so it's kind of it 
it makes the, the fans feel rewarded and, and that's always something that's always fun. Right. So when it, it kind of gets the, the juices going. You're like, so it's uh, it's like a fanboy kind of nod to things, right. Or a fan person uh, is, is that when you have these types of, of mechanics that you brought in and types of uh, trivia and these little, these little nuggets here, that's why this is making it, uh, I mean, you know, a, a fun game. So I think you've done, I think you've done uh, quite a service there. <laughs> All right. Well, buy stock now. I'm I'm ready to to sell my idea to the highest bidder. I'm, unfortunately, I'm only looking at you two gubs, so I don't imagine <laughs> it's going to be a lot of money coming my way. But we'll get in on the ground floor as investors. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was going to give now, you yeah. two um, uh, Fabergé eggs. Powell game. I'm going to give you. Okay. Are they real or are they knockoff? Oh, well, I can't. You'll have to find out. <laughs> you can't tell me that. <laughs> Fuck. I know what the answer to that one is, then, don't I? I've seen that movie. Uh, how about how about a I've Cadbury egg? Would you accept? Would you accept those? <laughs> I, I, no, I won't accept a Cadbury egg. I'm afraid I, I, it's got to be the real deal. Yeah. yeah. Kremlin art. That's what, that, that, that's what, that, that's what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. They got to do for like James Bond. Like if you go like to the James Bond store or something. I don't know if there is something like that, but you get like. Fabergé chocolate Fabergé eggs <laughs> that'd be awesome and like you open okay, it up and there's like and there's the transmitter but it's like made of like a gummy or something like that <laughs> yeah Josh, you got you got your own idea for confectionery man you don't need a board game um i know seriously having listened to, having listened to that now and having read through the document or whatever that uh, proto manual um are there any glaring kind of omissions or or things no. you think could tighten up to make that better because i feel like and i understand listeners it, it probably doesn't sound clear to you because you might have seen a few pictures on our instagram or whatever and i kind of garbled my way through the instructions there but um is there anything guys that you think could could make that a better experience i, I just wanted it to be a relatively short i wanted it to be an evenings game not like sure. a marathon you know like risk can sometimes mm-hmm. turn into be. Yeah, risk is one of those games that's almost like what you call a legacy game where they can go on and on and on. Most board mm-hmm. games, even now, like even the most complex tabletop games that I've played, you can range between like 45 minutes, depending upon how good the players are, mm-hmm. to up to like two or three hours. You know, like they take the mm-hmm. space of an evening. Mm-hmm. So you're in the right, you're in the right time length, I think, yeah, for an evening game. Um, mm-hmm. possibly even shorter, but still, like uh, this is one of those games I think that I like how you packaged it as kind of like maybe this was your intention uh, as kind of the uh, the ultimate James Bond like fan. It's it's, it's a board game for the James Bond fandom. Mm-hmm. It, like, yes, yeah. If you were to say to like to adapt mm-hmm. like a video uh, one of the James Bond films, like for example Thunderball, you can make a yeah. complex board game set in its mm-hmm. own rules, its own universe, so to speak, and any yep. player can play it. They don't need knowledge of the James Bond films. They don't really need to be part of the James Bond fandom. They can just enjoy it for a kind of for the game itself. But yes, for this yes. thing here, you 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 attract both, you know, people who are James Bond fans, they want to get together and just have a James Bond fun night. Like they might have a movie, a James Bond movie on the background or something. They might dress up in mm-hmm, tuxedos because mm-hmm. they're James Bond fans and they want to play this game and they can, you know, they can have fun with the trivia. Uh, they can have fun with the little figurines of each bond. They can enjoy, you know, that aspect of it. But then you can yeah. have people who friends of them that come in who may not know the James Bond trivia, but they they're good at chance games or they're good at uh-huh, puzzles uh-huh, or something. Yeah. 
So you got a game for everybody, I think, here in this. Uh, that, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And especially because it is so kind of collectible. And obviously we know with diff- the different websites and the books, and there's lots of different things that people are like collectible for James Bond, you know, whether it's the watches, the gadgets, suits, so many different things mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that the Epicurean Bond fan um, would like. <laughs> yeah. And so, and this, this definitely mm-hmm. does fall upon that because you're making it like a whole – uh, like you have, you know, you, the way you were just, even just the way you're describing the game board, like it's, you know, an inch off the floor, you got the little claw and ball. Uh, and just the way, just the way you have it all set up, like it, it, it feels, it feels like James Bond. And I think there's a lot that, that would be highly marketable for that type, for certain types of Bond fans. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. And it might go right over the head of a regular gamer who's just playing that's it fine. for some fun. Oh, oh, look, there's these cute little things. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. And it's got a little casino Anyone thing. Can play it. That's cool. But yes, uh, some people will yeah, okay. understand more than others, like with any game, right? But. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, um, I'm, I'm glad that you enjoy that. Uh, obviously, we're going to be in support of each other's ideas. This is not a competition. Yeah. This is not a three-part competition. No. There's yeah, no winner no. to this. You're wondering at home. <laughs> we're not. We're not winning any of this. It's just... Very different ideas from very different gamers, and uh, mine now is out there, my idea. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would think it's important, at least for me, it was important that I got our brand on that as well with uh, the Bomb by Numbers dice fire. So I realized that um, it's, I was thinking like Operation Dice Fire and Operation <laughs> Bond by Numbers. Well, but then I'm like, nah, just, just, just go BBN Dice Fire. That, that's, that's the way to Make go. But I mean, looking ahead now, Looking ahead now, guys, um, with with my idea shared, and uh, we'll spend some time mulling over that, we're going to get together shortly and have a chat over your two ideas. I'm not going to ask you to preview those ideas, but have you discussed collaborative gaming and having discussed kind of some of these more sophisticated angles to games, might I hypothesize or foreshadow the revelations of your games by assuming that you're going to bring some of those elements into play? Uh, you're absolutely correct. The, I'm not going to give any more details than that, but all I, will, all I will say in regard to my game is that it will be a collaborative game, but it's also going to take on a factor from... There's multiple game engines that I'm kind of putting into it and kind of give it its own little unique twist to it, I hope anyways. Uh, but there's one game, um, I never played it, but um, it's very mm-hmm. popular. Mm-hmm. It's called Fury of Dracula. And what's really okay. cool about that game, it's, it's out of print, so I never got a chance to get a hold of it. But anyways, what's really interesting about that game is that all the players, you know, one of them plays like Van Helsing, one player plays uh, Mina, one player plays, you know, what's his name? Uh, Jonathan? Jonathan Harker. Jonathan Basically, Harker, all the, yeah. all, of, all, all of the Bram Stoker's Draculas are the main players, mm. except for one. One player plays, Drac- plays Dracula. So oh. what happens is that the, the other players are chasing Dracula all around the world map, and to win the game, they basically collaborate to, to hunt down and kill Dracula, okay? Right. That's, that's their goal. But the other player who gets to play Dracula, his goal is to survive and, and, you know, and convert everyone and take over, you know, Europe, essentially. So... Uh, that's kind of that's kind of what I'm gonna, what I'm going to bring into it. I think it's the idea of of having okay, a player cool. take take on the villainy, and then the other players, you know, working as a team to help, you know, solve the mission. Mm, very cool. And is this just 
out of curiosity, is this Fury of Dracula, is this a recent game or is it an earlier game that was kind of re-released? It was originally released, I believe, Sim in the mid-80s. That was when it was first released. It's gone through like four four editions, I think, now. The last edition came out, I think, like in the two thousand in the two thousand tens, two thousand twelve. You can say it was revamped. Sorry, I just had to say (laughs) Yeah. Uh but that's the last release. And (laughs) since and I had a chance to get it a long time like Mm -hmm. about a year or two ago, but I can't find it at the at the the present time. But um it looked like a pretty cool game. Like the board game map was beautiful. It had little figurines. Um, you know, you paid about, I think I could have got it for like 60 bucks, but, um, yeah, someone I know, I know you, you were very into Dracula as a young boy. I remember you had like all the, you had that big Dracula book mm. with all the art, the, all the art yeah. in there. I thought uh, that would be, yeah. yeah, I thought, uh, that would have been a fun game to play someday, but, um, I wasn't able to get a hold of it. I'm on the lookout for it though. I'm sure I can have a look here across the pond at eBay and see if yeah. I can find one or uh, an Amazon for yeah. you. I'll have a look for you. Um, well, if yeah. you go in, cool. you can always take a look yeah. <laughs> somewhere. You might, did... knows, you might find it. <laughs> now, That's they right. did release just recently an alien board game, and it kind of has the same pr- premise of Dracula because all the other players play like, you know, Ripley, Dallas. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I forget the other two guys. What was Yafakoto's name? I think it's Parker, right? Parker. Anyways, I, anyways, anyways uh, then the other player plays the alien. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's sounds... concept. Yeah. And, and the map is basically like the, out, the, the decks of the Nostromo. Right. So cool. Cool. So, so that one I might get is kind of like a, a consolation. I'm not getting the Dracula one. Cause I think that would be cool <laughs> to play because everyone loves like original alien. And it's, it's great. So, Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, what about you, buddy? What about you? What can we expect from Double O Chapman's board game without revealing too much? Where well, are you? It's going to be action related. Like, it, okay. what I'm thinking is it's going to be kind of more. I know that a lot of there's a lot of games out now where they're it's kind of like like action card games. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. It'll be like that. I'm not going to get too Holmes, much the, like the Sherlock Holmes we played recently. Kind of like that. Uh, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, a little bit okay. like that. Um, and um. It's uh, it's going to be sort of character driven, lots of different characters, and, and again, that will be uh, you know that will uh, sort of reward uh, some of the the more hor- um, hardcore uh, Bond fans. Uh, it'll be a, a a fairly quick game. Like you can obviously it, you can flesh it out, but uh, I find some of these games like the the action car games that are you can kind of do it in a short period of time. Uh, are it's, yes. it's almost as uh, rewarding as as the longer as the longer ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I really like the idea of a shorter game that kind of not just a shorter game that kind of prepares you for a more intense game, but just the idea of a shorter game that is self-contained. I really like that idea. Like it's something you can do together before you stick a movie on, or something exactly. you can do when you're when you're meeting somebody's pals. It's something you can do before dinner or you know after if you want to go home and you're not yeah i just well, that, i really that's like exactly, the idea of smaller games yeah. exactly so this yeah, is like smaller so games are great you would you could put you could play you know two rounds of this and then put on a bond movie kind of thing right and then yeah, you know just yeah, get you yeah. you know get you kind of geared up cool uh something like yeah, that. that's I, awesome as you know jeff on our gaming nights like we usually start start off like, with a couple of, or uh, yeah yeah right. yeah we, yeah we play a couple of rounds of coup because mm. that game takes yeah. between like it can take between up to 15 to 20 minutes or even less depending upon yeah. how the game goes. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then afterwards, 
And then afterwards, that's the setup. And then we're like, okay, so we got to, we got the gaming thing into us. We got the competition into us. So now we're going to go, you know, put on like, say, uh, Pandemic or something like that. And then we mm. play a game of Pandemic or something. Cool. Or, or two. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Nice one. Well, guys, I, th- I think that probably much, you know, d- does the shift here for us. And I don't think we, we have too much more to say here in this yeah. episode, at least. Uh, it was a good way to start our, our what ifs. Uh, I think we've explained the uh, the rationale for for what we're doing yeah so. anyway yeah i guess that's us finished then guys awesome for today and for our first of our three parts on uh, on 007 board games this was a lot of fun i'm, I'm pleased mm. that you enjoy my idea and uh, maybe what we can do when we're all done is uh, combine forces and finance and see if we can't <laughs> uh, pitch to pitch to a company and yeah. get some licensing rights and uh, go from there yeah yeah that sounds good yeah sounds good to me <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this. Um, who knows what's going to come next? It's, uh, it's going to be Double O Taylor or Double O Chapman. We'll roll the dice behind the scenes uh, and see who goes first. We'll see see what happens there. A little game of our own. But, uh, yeah, Bond by Numbers will return with more Bond board games and the ideas from your hosts. So thanks for listening. Stay well, everybody, and uh, we'll catch you back here soon. Later. <laughs>